Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Truth Behind the Courts. If you are new here, my name is Ishika and every week we dive into new, interesting problems within our Canadian court system by giving you all the inside scoop of what goes on behind the scenes. So grab a glass of your favorite drink and a snack and let's get started. On today's episode, we will be discussing the lack of access to victim services for women who have experienced intimate partner violence, also known as IPV, focused on how the delays of the courts intensified their traumas, an issue that can be seen to be one of the most problematic and stressful times for these victims and their families to go through without the support from the criminal justice system. Now, personally, I have learned a lot about how the Canadian criminal courts function and the ways in which my perspectives of the criminal courts have changed over time. Presently, my impressions of the criminal court system in Canada are more negative rather than positive, as I now understand that many of the rules can be open to interpretation and have biases within various cases. In my opinion, I still do not see enough justice being served for many racialized groups, including Indigenous communities, or justice for those who have been wrongfully convicted due to the process of the Canadian criminal courts. For example, the case of Pamela George is still recognized to be one of the most important cases to the reality of missing and murdered Indigenous women, and the lack of justice they receive from the Canadian courts due to their gender, race, and age. Cases like George's not only make me question the process of the criminal courts, but also the safety of these communities. However, one issue that I had mentioned within the start of the term that has been seen as the most problematic within the criminal courts is the lack of access to victim services for women who have been victims of intimate partner violence. Due to the recent changes in our lives, such as COVID-19, many court cases have been delayed even more. Moreover, focusing on this issue, and if trials are being delayed, is it even possible for these victims to receive any access to legal aid anymore? So, therefore, I will now be focusing on how the court delays prevent victims of IPV from getting any victim services after experiencing such trauma. Women who have been victims of IPV and have survived are often left with some sort of trauma and have their normal lives taken away from them as individuals develop anxiety, depression, and lack of financial stability. If these women have children, this usually becomes a complication for those in domestic violence families. From my knowledge on this issue, I have understood that majority of these survivors come from areas of low income and those same women often marry young, causing both the abuser and survivor not being able to finish school. When these cases enter the Canadian courts, and as they go down the pathway to resolution, there is not enough help for the aftermath of these traumas. For example, because of how normal IPV cases are, courts may not take those survivors as priority compared to the victims of a murder case. And now, due to COVID-19, these cases may largely be affected and therefore intensified. During trial, victims' concerns and needs are often unmet due to the court's focus on the offender rather than the victim. This can be detrimental as the abuse they have faced impacts their mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Now, before we focus more on why the court delays connect with the lack of access to services for women who have suffered with IPV, as the most important issue within the criminal courts, we must understand the case of R.V. Jordan in 2016, which focuses on the court delays and see why that connects back to our topic for today. According to Frederick's 2021, Jordan was arrested and charged in 2008 under various offenses relating to trafficking and possession. In other words, his role for a 
dial-a-dope operation. However, due to insufficient time for the Crown to present enough evidence within the given period, Jordan's court dates were continued to be pushed further, having it officially end in 2013 after there being a delay between Jordan's charges and the end of the trial. The term sealing was introduced within this case as if the trial was beyond delay from the charge to the actual or anticipated end of the trial, it is assumed to be unreasonable unless there are justifiable means for this delay. In addition, the sealing is only 18 months for those cases tried in provincial courts and 30 months for cases tried in the superior courts as stated in Frederick's 2021. However, if the time from the sealing has passed, then the burden will fall under the crown. And if the crown cannot speak to the assumption of the unreasonableness, then the courts will then gain control over the case beyond the crown's hands, as stated in Canley 2016. Similarly, the amount of court delays have been rising due to unforeseen circumstances. Recently, as we all know, as COVID-19. In a recent CBC News article presented by Fredericks 2021, authors Bridges and Latimer 2001 stated how the majority of the cases put on trial have now been put on hold due to COVID-19. This usually leaves the criminal courts under pressure from both the public and the media as they must put the safety of their courts first before conducting any type of trial that may lead to risk. Now, with all of this being said, in a 2017 news article by Simon Lapierre, it was stated that the Supreme Court's Jordan ruling on trial delays could have a negative impact on how the justice system responds to violence against women. In comparison to RV Jordan 2016, cases that involve violence against women were provided with harsher limits where for the first stage of any provincial court trial, the delay would go on for 18 months, and then the second stage of the court trials, there is a 30 month of delay. Again, if the delays are beyond this time limit, the accused will remain with their charges until the actual trial. However, we can ask the question, what does this mean for the victims affected by IPV? Many of these victims are left without justice from their abuser due to these delays and therefore cannot receive the help that they need from the court system as their entire case is on hold. This can lead to further trauma affecting both the victim and their family as many may not know the type of help available, if any, which in my opinion cannot only be traumatizing to the victim but also a stressful position to be in. In addition, if the cases of IPV victims include preliminary inquiries, these can cause even longer court delays. As introduced by Frederick's 2021, preliminary inquiries are, quote, a judicial hearing to determine whether evidence assembled by the Crown against the accused is sufficient enough to proceed with a trial, end quote. And it is used to determine whether or not the Crown actually has enough evidence to continue through the trial, as well as how the defense has the power to question the witnesses of the Crown. An example noted in Frederick's 2021 is that if there was a murder case that was under preliminary inquiry, the median number of days the trial would get through is 488 days in delays, and without a preliminary inquiry, the trial would get through in 36 days without any delays. In relation to the case of IPV survivors, these survivors are being re-victimized again as they are forced to go through the same experiences by having to re-testify what they said during preliminary hearing again during trial, 
especially since they are not giving any type of victim services. As noted in the CBC News article by Bridges and Latimer 2021, Greg Furtuck was placed under a two-year remand under the assumption that he killed his wife back in 2015 and then remained in custody due to his trial being delayed because of COVID-19 without anyone, including the courts, knowing if he is truly guilty or not. In terms of the bill or provision that may relieve some tension within this issue, we can now discuss the Bill C-75 and the provisions that fall under this. As introduced by Fredericks 2021, the Bill C-75 was created to help change acts and make any resulting changes to acts, such as the criminal code. Overall, the main goal of the Bill C-75, as stated in Fredericks 2021, is to make the laws more modernized and efficient in order to help reduce court delays. According to the Government of Canada 2017, specifically focusing on those who are victims of intimate partner violence and any type of sexual assault, the Bill C-75 ensures that every individual is treated with the greatest amount of respect and compassion during their time within the Canadian courts. For example, there was an amendment to Section 273.1 focusing on sexual abuse stating that any person who is unconscious is therefore incapable of consenting. However, there are also various challenges that fall under the Bill C-75 with IPV. One issue being, according to the Government of Canada 2017, the term dating partner is not considered an intimate partner. Therefore, this is an issue because if an individual is being abused by their dating partner and this case were to be taken to trial, it could cause delays at both the bail and the trial stages as the two partners are not legally together by law. This could then cause further issues to the victims as they won't be able to get any help from the courts as most victims may not even have the knowledge as to whether there are services and programs available for them. As stated in my first reflection, the two implications that are evident within this issue is the mental health of each victim and access to services for the victims of the abuse. In order to mitigate these two issues, the courts and prison system could introduce trauma-enforced training that focuses on the realistic behaviors of how women react before and after the trauma. This type of training would be directed towards police and other authorities to ensure proper victim care is being done, even during any trial delays. Within this training, the courts and prison system may also include treatment and therapy programs that deal with victim trauma specifically focused on those affected by domestic violence. Therefore, the courts need to focus on the mental health of the survivor in need. In addition, they should place a time frame on cases of IPV so that victims are properly cared for. By adding such programs, it puts pressure on the courts to take cases of IPV seriously to ensure the victims are empowered within the justice system. Thank you so much for another great episode. If you found this segment interesting and would like to help other IPV survivors, I would recommend donating to VictimServicesToronto.com. Your voice matters and it is time we help change the justice system for the better. Stay tuned for next week's episode. For now, I'm Ishika Gupta and you're listening to The Truth Behind the Courts.